you are listening to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast with Chris and Garrett. Welcome to the Midnight Movie Snack Podcast with Chris and Garrett. In the 1980s, Stephen King was a hot commodity in Hollywood, beginning with Brian De Palma's adaptation of King's first novel, Carrie, in 1976. Ten more movies followed based on King's novels and short stories. They ranged from moderately successful to critically panned. That all changed after the publication of King's book, Different Seasons, in 1982. That book, in addition to being a dramatic departure from King's standard fare of scary stories, features a novella called The Body. It tells the story of four boys embarking on an overnight journey through rural Maine to locate the body of a boy struck by a train. Hollywood bought the film rights, and after the initial director, Adrian Lyne, was unable to shoot the film, Rob Reiner was tapped to take over the director's chair. Reiner, at the time, was best known as an actor, having starred in the legendary 70s sitcom All in the Family. Reiner had directed two movies in the 80s, both of them comedies, the mockumentary This is Spinal Tap and the teen comedy The Sure Thing. Reiner connected with King's story, and in particular, Gordy, the story's narrator. Reiner has gone on to say that he saw parts of himself in Gordy, and it compelled him to do the project. Filming was slated to begin in the summer of 1985. However, just mere days before filming began, the studio that owned the film, Embassy Pictures, was sold to Columbia Pictures. The movie faced cancellation, so Norman Lear, producer of All in the Family and a co-owner of Embassy Pictures, chipped in over $7 million of his own money to finish the film. So strong was his confidence in Reiner and the script. There was still one problem. The title. Columbia thought The Body sounded like a bodybuilder film or a sex film, so the production team worked on an alternate title. Reiner suggested Stand By Me, based on the hit song by Ben E. King, featuring a terrific cast of young actors, including River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Kiefer Sutherland. Stand By Me was a huge hit with audiences and is still considered one of the best adaptations of a Stephen King story. Join us now for our audio movie commentary of Stand By Me. So, uh, stand by me. It's kind of weird. Like we've been so knee deep in John Hughes films. (laughs) You know, it's like weird making this shift, but we are kind of staying true to our roots. It's another Stephen King adaptation. It's the Stephen King and it's (laughs) early teen, early teenagers. So we can, we're making the combination of John Hughes and. It is. How's that? Yep. Yep. Um, So this is one of those that I read the story that it was based on before I saw it. And it was an R rated. It is an R rated movie, which in hindsight, I'm like this thing, if it came out today, it'd be PG 13. I mean, it's just the fact that it was R rated, just, I never fully understood that. 
Um, so I didn't get to see it when it came out in the theaters, but uh, when I finally did get to see it on, I think I rented it or some friends rented it one night and we watched it. Um, this in my mind may be the first like big budget Stephen King adaptation that I think really did the source material justice. Uh, and in some ways, I think it's even better than the story itself. Um, this is uh, this. I really like this movie for a lot of reasons, and I'll go into those as we're watching them. But uh, the only thing I, I remember, in addition to this movie being a huge hit when it came out, is that the song from which the movie gets its title, like kind of had this resurgence in the 80s when this came yep. out. And it's like, even like, you know, the, the top 40 radio stations, you know, for us, it was G105. Like, I was just, I remember it would be like at night, you know, because back then, you know, you'd listen to the radio at night, like for the top 10 or whatever. And I just remember thinking like, this is crazy that this song, which is from all those years ago, has gotten this revival because of this movie. Um you know, but it also but happened me, a lot during the eighties. That was a popular did. thing. There were this. a lot of movies that like borrowed song titles for Top their gun. I mean, I mean, I met even I'm not talking about the, the titles, but just like this, you know, like the soundtrack. You know, Johnny Be Good and Back to the Future and Top Gun with Get Down on My Knees for You yeah, and you've Lost That Love and Feeling. Lost yeah. That Love and Feeling. Dirty Dancing, you know, had a couple, you know, it's like yeah. uh, you know, they brought back, it brings back those, you know, it really did. It was of a it was a common thing yeah i felt like there was a period there though where it just there were a lot of movies in the 80s where the titles were borrowed from popular songs like oh can't Can't buy me love Love, uh stand by me johnny be good um there's several others i know i'm forgetting but it was like kind of this trend um it got to the point where I forget there was one that came out. I forget the name of it, but it was just kind of like, can we give it a rest <laughs> with naming these, you know, these movies after popular songs? Because it just, I don't know, it just seemed like kind of played out after a while. Uh, probably was Johnny B. Good. Probably was the one that was. Yeah. I think on the another one I think about was uh, When a Man Loves a Woman, which that was like Andy Garcia and Meg Ryan. And that was like a drama. And it was a it, it was a decent movie. Don't get me wrong, but I was just like, that was a, I think that was early '90s, and I was kind of like, enough already! <laughs> like, come up with an original title, you know? It's, it's just like, stop. Yep. But uh, but anyway, Stand by Me. So I remember there was a lot of things about this movie that were a big surprise. So the fact that the story that it's based on, Stephen King's story, um, the body is the, the title of it um and not stand by me <laughs> no. it's uh it definitely the story has that kind of theme that the movie has about you know these young guys and kind of this like it's almost like a rite of passage that they're doing going out looking for this body of this kid that was killed um so that was definitely in the story but i think the movie itself what i said a moment ago where I think the movie in some ways is better than the story is that Rob Reiner who directed it. um, I think he really took that theme and extended it some more to where, you know, it's a great cast. I mean, these young guys, um, of course, you know, Corey Feldman uh, being one of them, we've 
watched a movie or two of his. Um, we have watched a couple of his movies. Yeah. Um, I think, in my opinion, my personal opinion, I think this is the best thing he's ever done. I think this role, uh, he, that kid was acting his heart out when he did this, this, uh, this movie. Um, the rest of the kids, you know, Jerry um, uh, O'Connell, Will Wheaton, uh, River Phoenix. I mean, just all terrific. Um, very relatable. Some really great scenes. Um, and just, I mean, all around good cast. We got Kiefer Sutherland as the bad guy. And John Cusack has a small role playing Will Wheaton's brother. And, you know, all these, uh, just a great cast. And, and I think this was probably one of Rob Reiner's best films. Um, I mean, he kind of had a hot streak there in the 80s. Yeah, this movie and then like when Harry met Sally and some others along the way. But um, I definitely think this was uh, this impressed me because prior to this movie, all I thought of Rob Reiner was uh, was you know, as an actor, Meathead. Yeah, yeah, all in the family. Uh, so I was genuinely surprised that like, oh, wow, he's he's like really good. He's a really good director. Um and <laughs> yeah and and the screenplay and i'm i have to apologize i have not done the level of homework that i normally try to do for these um, movies when we talk about them um but i want to say that the screenplay um was was a joint effort um by two guys uh, one of them is uh bruce evans um He's done a few movies here and there, some good, some not so good. Um, if you haven't seen it, he did a movie in, I think it was 2007, called Mr. Brooks. It was a Kevin Costner movie. Uh, it has Kevin Costner playing a serial killer, which um, it's a surprisingly good film. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, and Bruce has also act, uh, directed some films. He directed... Uh, in fact, he directed Mr. Brooks, if I'm not mistaken, um, in addition to, I believe he wrote it and directed it. Um, I may be wrong about that. He may have just directed it. But anyway, um, this is like, I, I think, a really good adaptation of King's story. And uh, yeah, so I think we can go ahead and if you want to, we can go ahead and jump into it. If you Let's got, go, let's do yeah, it. Yeah. So let me get my, uh, my screen set up here. And so for those of you listening in, um, we're going to be watching Stand By Me uh, from 1986. In fact, uh, it came out um, on the 22nd of 1986. Uh, so we're celebrating its 35th anniversary. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's 35th anniversary. It's hard to believe. Uh, so hopefully you have your copy of the movie, your legally acquired copy. And so I'm going to count us down. And while I'm saying all of this, I need to get my earbuds in so that you guys don't hear the audio while we're recording. Um, so I'm going to count us down from uh, three. So let me make sure I got this. Okay, so stand by me in three, two, one, play. The old Columbia lady mm -hmm. when it was i think it was was that when didn't coca-cola own columbia oh yeah at this point in time they would have yeah yeah this is yeah this is this oh if this is coming this is pretty wild that means this is at the same time um 
that just one of the guys. Yeah. Made it by the same studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a year after Karate Kid. Same studio. I mean, obviously different place, different location, but I'm just saying about, you know, they, this is, they had a thing going. I've cut my volume down. I think that's me, actually. There we go. There's, a, I forgot, Richard Dreyfus. I think he narrates this, doesn't he? He is. He plays um, Will Wheaton as an adult. Gordy. So they made this. This is weird. I don't, this, this is what I understand. They made this the, the, from Castle Rock, Oregon. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we all know that Castle Rock is actually Castle Rock, Maine. Right, which is a place that King based a lot of his stories, Castle yeah, Rock. I, I think Castle Rock was more based, was that more based on his hometown, I think, of Durham? Uh, I think it, there were elements of it, yeah. Elements. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, that's... So it's just, I don't know, it's just, and it's, it's weird. It's like, why not just go ahead and... I mean, I guess, I guess Oregon's, I mean, I guess North Carolina has been used as Maine. I don't know yeah. why you couldn't, why you couldn't use, I don't know, yep. it make a lot of sense to me why they just didn't go ahead and, because there was a TV show called Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. The name of the production company that Rock. Rob Reiner started after this was called Castle Rock, which made a, produced a ton of movies. It did. I remember the whole Castle Rock. A few good okay. minutes. That was another movie of Reiner's that was really good. When I was a kid, I always wanted a treehouse like this. Oh, every every kid wants a treehouse. Like I that. wanted cards and cigarettes too. <laughs> I would have had the cards and cigarettes for you. It's hard to believe that we're only like we're like three years away from seeing. Yeah. From seeing, uh, seeing Corey Feldman there and Dream a Little Dream. Yeah, you're only about a year away from seeing him in Lost Boys. I mean, that's what I was just—it's amazing about. That's true. Yeah, and this was a uh, two years before Wheaton was on Star Trek: The Next Generation, which. The only reason we know, even remember that, is because Sheldon, Sheldon on Big Bang Theory keeps uh, loved Will Wheaton on on yeah. that. And he became his nemesis. I'm, I'm telling you, that's that whole subplot on the Big Bang Theory. I know you, I don't think you watch it, but his obsession with Will Wheaton and the and the you know and all it's just it's there's it was really cool how they kept that going for so long. It's really Like like Will Wheaton plays like a like a the way um what's the guy from um Doogie Hauser? Um Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, he, he plays it he plays a like a, a, a you know a, a variation of his of himself, you know, a parody of himself on you yeah. know, like like he did for um Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. It's kind of the same. (laughs) 
It's amazing how that how Jerry grew up, man. Good gracious. If I remember correctly, um, River, yeah, he's um, he was born, his birth date's on the 23rd of August. Um, he would have been 51 this year. Yeah, because Corey, Corey Feldman just turned 50. Yeah. And he's a year young. I mean, you're young. Yeah, yeah. so you're right, 51. No. And that's something. Yeah. Corey Haim is going to turn 50 this December. Mm-hmm. That's, that blows my mind. I know. And there's uh, Casey Shamasco. He was in Young Guns and um, one of our other favorite movies that we did with Burt Reynolds. That's right. That's right. Breaking in. Breaking in. Don't don't. Let's get breaking in some more love. Come on, man. That's right. It's it deserves it. Yeah. I just remember Jerry O'Connell, like, you know, when he finally like. I guess hit puberty or whatever. And he like kind of got tall and he thinned out. Right. You know, it was just like, and whenever I see this movie, I always think about, wow, it really did change a lot. Okay. Snack for tonight. I got a hundred gram bar. I've and got, a door for McPatty. I've got uh teriyaki uh, beef steak bites. Well, yours look like your yours is kind of blurred out. It looks like you're like like you're like you can't do a product placement because. Of, oh yes, I of, can. Jack Links. Jack Links. People are like, shut up talking about product placement. Oh, speaking of Columbia, about the movie, there we go with all Coca Cola bottles all around them. Huh. Remember talking about that with. Uh, It's one of the guys, all the Coke placement, mm-hmm. even Karate Kid with the Minute Maid thing. You know, Will Wheaton was supposed to be, he was in um, The Last Starfighter, which we did earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think most of, I think he can be seen like in a, a shot or two, but mm-hmm. whatever scenes he really had got, got cut, you mean like you can't, I mean, I think he can be seen in a couple of places. A couple shots, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Berto. I wonder if these guys ever get back together these days, like maybe have dinner or something together. Probably not. 
Isn't that the mom from Gremlins? Oh my, which is if that's it, that's Mar that's Marty's grandma. It looks like her. Hold on, I'll tell you. If it is, it's Francis Lee McCain. Let's see if it is. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's her. Thought it was. So Marty's grandma is was, is in Gremlins. His mama. And Gremlins too. Mm-hmm. And, and stand by me. It's pretty theater. Yeah, it's a pretty nice run. Uh, there's John Cusack. Mm -hmm. We saw just a couple of weeks ago in Sixteen Candles. Yeah, black and white. That would really capture the moment. It would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want you to tell. I want you to tell. I want you to tell one of your boys. Why can't you have friends like your brother? Lord knows, I've thought it sometimes. That's the dad of the year, right there, though. Who knew when they'd be going to space? You know, there's a there's a little bit of similarity here about, and I don't know. If I have to look look at this. There is, but but this this movie came came after Silver Bullet, but mm -hmm. the, it's kind of cool that Corey Haim was in Silver Bullet, Stephen King film. Corey mm -hmm. Feldman was in Stand by Me the next very next year. Mm -hmm. There's a narrator. That's for right. Silver Bullet. Goes telling a story that goes back, you know, through. This is an narrator here telling a story going back to that. I don't know. Just kind of interested to see about. There's a couple similarities. Obviously, yeah. this was done. I mean, no offense to Silver Bullet. It's just that this was just done better. I mean, um, <laughs> kiss my grits. She said, yeah, that's you, Polly. Hello. Why so serious, Gordy?
my brother will get you, you know. Double dog swear. Oh, wait, that's dares. Jack Bauer. <laughs> You don't mess with a vampire, kid. I need to look that up. Like, how? Look, what's the the filming time? Like, how much? How much time is in between this and the Lost Boys? Mm. Well, this would have been shot in '85, probably. Lost Boys came out in '88. Oh, it was '88? Okay, I think so. so. It was a little bit. It was a little bit of time. Yes, I mean, because Lost Boys. I saw after my 18th birthday. It was the first R-rated movie I ever saw in a theater. Little factoid there for you. No. People are like, who cares? <laughs> we <laughs> all care, man. <laughs> we want to know what Chris saw his first R-rated movie. <laughs> what was the, yeah, that's trivia. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you my trivia about when I know it was before my 18th birthday, because I'm probably I was probably snuck in to a <laughs> To a the you know, like it was at one thing. Tell your parents. I mean, especially like at Riverview or something. I yeah. know we did that. I know we went to see one because it was a twin and went to see one movie and then would sneak over to see the yeah. see another one that was going on. Or they were going in one and went to the other. That happened a couple times. I'm gonna tell Cece. She listen she needs to subscribe and listen to the podcast and she would know <laughs> all the secrets. <laughs> Garrett, took, I'm surprised. It took 30 years, but she finally found out. Mom, mom, mom how'd you find I listened to the podcast and I found out what you've been doing, young man. You are grounded, young man. Mom, I'm 40-something years old. Well, you're still I'm grounded. Old you are. You're still my son. And <laughs> you're not so old, I can't turn you over my knee. Yeah. I had a I had an uncle, great uncle, name was Frank, and he left home like at 18 or something, I think, maybe 17. I forgot what he was. 16 or 17, he left home. And he said, he told my dad and my mom and whatever, he said that he went to, he got on a train, he would go from, he would just ride the train. And he said he went to like every state in the union at the time, whatever that was, what year that was. By the time he was like 18, he had been to every, he'd been everywhere. He'd been to all wow. the states and all this kind of stuff. Now, I don't, I mean, so, so like when I see stuff like this, I mean, I know these kids aren't totally taken off on, on a, on that kind of adventure, but it does remind me of, you know, simpler times and people could, you could, you could, 
you could go do stuff that I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's a little out there to go. And I don't know if I believe ever you know believe he went everywhere, been all the states or not, but uh, but he said he did. And you know, I don't. It's but possible. I these things, these kind of stories, these kind of movies, kind of give you that you know you know that little kid in you that wants to. I mean, when you're about. 10, 11, 12, and you just got, you got such a sense of adventure that you just want to, you know, you want to go in the woods and explore. You want to, you want to go do, you want to go check out something. You want to go see if it's true. And somebody, and some kid tells you, you know, you know, I heard so-and-so's down there, you know, and you just like, I don't know. It it does kind of take you back to your preteen age. And that's something I would have done something stupid like that. That would have been me right there, standing on the tracks. Yes, you do, Bobby Keller. You need the babies. Sure. And just like that, everything's okay. And that's how that's how dudes work, man. You know, drama going on for. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this some whole movie is supposed to be a, it's half a drama. Looks like Biff and his cronies done it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> Leave, you idiots. Leave. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny if they picked like the rest of the crew to, in the back seat to be like the same guys from Bats to Future. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> like, uh, what's it? Billy Zane and. Well, yeah. Other, Kate other, Casey was guy. one too. Yeah. We get Billy in there and. This is like the dark alternate universe version of Biff. Right.
chopper. Sick balls. <laughs> yeah. Dream, yeah, 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 man. He had some dreamable dreams too. <laughs> Good one. And then talking about not live, I mean, now River, I think River died, what, 23, 24? Something like that. And he was just talking about, man, he won't live past 20. He's like, it is wild, though, that Corey – I mean, Corey Feldman, he's a lucky dude in the sense of, you know, like, you know, you got River Phoenix die with drugs. Mm-hmm. Corey Hain, I mean, you got to – I mean, that was all yeah. – you know, that's drug-related. I mean, later, but still, you know, it happened. It's, you know. Now, Will Wheaton, I don't know if he was ever involved. I don't know how much he was – he was ever involved in drugs. Probably not. Oh. Well, he got out of entertainment for a few years. But, I mean, it is amazing. Like, people like like Drew Barrymore turned their life around, uh, became very successful afterwards. And then Corey Feldman's, of course, his musically acclaimed career. Let's don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Corey. I love you, man. You know I do. <laughs> <laughs> you do what makes you happy, brother. Jerry O'Connell. He just he just gets the brunt of everything. And they gave him the perfect haircut. Everything, man. This kind of goes along with. And they put that shirt on him, which is perfect, man. I had a, I had a, I had a shirt. There's a picture of me and Coach K together. I went to basketball camp, and I'm wearing a stupid polo shirt. My first day at basketball camp. I don't know why Mom put that on me. That's what she gets for. That's that's why I that's why I snuck in and see already movies. But it's like. Goocher. Now there's a Durham, Maine. Is there a Durham, Oregon, yeah. too? I don't think so. Maybe that's where maybe that's where King's from. He went to the college in Durham, University of Maine in Durham, I think. I think that's where he went to college. <laughs> I love how they trash talk each other. And when I look at you, I throw up. <laughs> Dude, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize Stephen King is six foot four. 
He's oh, yeah. Tall, he's, man. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So he was born in Portland, Maine. And his family moved to Durham, Maine, when he was 11. You said Portland. You said he was born in Portland, Oregon. What would you say again? I'm sorry. Portland, Maine. Oh. <laughs> That's why. Is that why we're changing around all these different, you know, making Castle Rock, Chesapeake, Maine, and making Oregon? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. The, um, he went to the University of Maine in Orono, Maine, not Durham. There is a Durham campus, I think, but. Their parents are so weird. Marty, you look so familiar. Do we know your parents? Got some RC cola in that place. And some pig's feet or something. I don't know what's in that jar. Something pickled. Probably. Or pickled feet. If it's a Stephen King story, it's a pickled head. <laughs> Uh-oh. Whoop, 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 whoop. Chopper, sick balls. Cujo, sick balls. <laughs> Ah.
<laughs> what does he want to come back for? That's his whole point. Come back here. Come back here. I want to come back here so we can cuss at each other some more. Yeah, exactly. So I can tell you're a foul mouth. I'm rats. a manager of a junkyard. I don't have I'm a proprietor. I don't have nothing else to do. Did he just say eating bleach under the sink? Yeah. Cobra Kai never dies.
with Lollipop. That's good. You know, that's good. That's my job. This is about the only good thing I can do. <laughs> You're like, I see I could have been instead by me. <laughs> I would have been the age for it. Yep. You and man, you had river by what, two days? Yeah. See, Corey Feldman's got me by a year, and Haim had me by like eight months. So Joaquin, so Joaquin, whatever Joaquin, however you say his name, Leaf, Leaf Phoenix was like 11 years old when this movie was being filmed. It's a few years. He's like four years younger than his brother, River. Yep. I see why I got an R, the language. That's that's the only reason why I got an R.
Kind of smart, actually, put his hand on the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the character does that in the story. That's how I like, you know, when I read the story, it's like, oh, he's seeing it. There's a vibration of the train coming. So when he did it in the movie, I was like, oh yeah, that's why he was doing that. <laughs> Seriously, dude. What did he lose there? What was that? His comb. Not that he really needs one, but. This is have, you ever been, have you ever been to Oregon? I have not. The last time I saw this bridge was in Back to the Future 3. Uh, it wasn't complete. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, uh, I went to Oregon back in 2012, I think it was, 2012, 2013. It, it really is beautiful out there. Oh, crap. True. This is a, uh, they're in front of a screen in that shot. They're in front of a screen. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's bearing down on. <laughs> His face. Hence the name Castle Rock. No.
but <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> Nothing like a smoke after a meal. He's like, yeah, I choose. He's, and he's doing he, he's doing it like he's a 1930s commercial or something. Yeah. Like, like with the Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. So this this story he tells is actually in the body. So it like the the story shifts to this like as an actual short story within a short story. It's like Vern, shut up. So Jerry, so he was like eleven and during this yeah. filming of this, he's he was young. They got probably. So, so Jerry went from this, his next feature film, the, the winner of many awards, Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach. But he finally struck gold again in Jerry Maguire, 1996. Great jacket. I wonder if it put up much of a fight. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> Davy. 
I forget who I was watching this with, but they had they had personal experience having tasted castor oil and they were like, yeah. yeah, drinking a whole bottle of it. They were like, I remember who I forget who it was. It might've been somebody at Campbell, one of my class, one of my dorm mates, but I think they said he would have thrown up if when that guy tripped him at the beginning, it's like that stuff would have just, he would have just yacked right then and there. <laughs> Here you go. Because <laughs> he all ate blueberries. <laughs> Just throw up in the back. So Lardass is a is a guy named Andy Lindbergh, and he does a podcast called the Kick Ass Oregon History Podcast. Huh. <laughs> oh, oh, great story, great story, great story. Yeah. Where's the hat? Drops the car. 
It's the Brower kid. <laughs> Cayenne's. <laughs> They're awfully close. Keep that fire going. That's right. Shut up. Oh, yeah. That's what we, yeah, we're all. Yeah, I want to give him, I want to give him a gun. Uh uh. I'd take the bullets out of it if I did. You'd be like, Barty? Like Andy. He'd be like like Colin with a BB gun shooting TVs out. Dreaming about my creepy dad. Mm-hmm. 
Wake up. It's time for school. <laughs> you gotta do the weird. We gotta make sense some weird sound, weird dream a little dream sound effects. It's like when we do the train sequences here in this movie. What's happened in your dream, man? There's this old man named Coleman was in my dream. I don't know what that's going on. And then I pushed her off a cliff. <laughs> uh, my face messed. Did it freeze? Yeah, I guess back. Sometimes you want to go where nobody knows your name. name. Dun, 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 dun. But you're always glad you came. <laughs> yeah, you kind of are.
It's morning in America. Okay, now I'm now behind you a little bit. He's looking at the deer. The deer's looking back at him. Hi, Mr. Deer. He's like, I'm looking for the dead body too. I got some good shots. Like this is very, very well done. Yeah, photography wise. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Come on, guys. We're running out of time.
Man, it's like he spoke prophecy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember. Yeah. So I probably saw this on HBO or something. Whatever it wasn't on or video, it wasn't that on. I didn't see it in theater. I do remember this whole thing with leeches. I remember that. Yeah. Oh man, they got them all over. Uh-oh. <laughs> I would have already been grabbing that thing as fast as you could to get it. I mean, I saw a bright light. Had a leech hanging from his balls. Uh oh. Trouble.
he's doing the Ralphie fight scene, you know. <laughs> Just wailing on him. Okay, you said you were in Oregon back in 2012. What were you doing out in Oregon? It was a conference. But uh, we got there like a day or so early. And so we drove down to the coast of Oregon. We went to the beach where they shot the Goonies. And we uh, went by the school where they shot Kindergarten Cop. Awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful out there, man. Don't talk about
yeah in the story the only difference between what happened there and what was in the story it's chris who pulls the gun on ace and the story actually talks about how after they came back home how ace and his goons beat up all four of them later on hmm And they severely beat him too, apparently. What's your uh, what's your count at right now? Um, one hour twenty minutes and forty six seconds and counting. In the original story, both Vern and Teddy were killed, I think, like either in a car accident or house fire or something like that. Mm. Mm. that was in the story so I didn't know Mr. Holland actually wrote stories too that's interesting well this was really Mr. Holland's opus yeah this was this was his opus 
Is that what your kids say? Yeah, my dad's really weird. He gets that way when he's crying. Uh-huh, right. He gets like that when he's crying. <laughs> yeah, shut up, kid. This is going to make a million dollars. Yes, we do. Hope he put his floppy in there and saved that. <laughs> oh no! I didn't save. Got to rewrite. Got to retype all that. <laughs> What, what we don't know is he does this every weekend. <laughs> the body by Stephen King. Be afraid. This wasn't Kiefer's first film, was it? No way. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, he did. He's done. He did three movies prior. First one was in 1983. Uh, Max Dugan returns. Well, that's a classic. <laughs> I know I really did like that movie as a kid. Yeah, I vaguely remember that that movie. Dude, it's got Jason Robards in it. Of course, you better know, know it. <laughs> and his dad was in it. That's right. And Matthew Broderick's film debut. I mean. I do remember it. It's just so that's so funny. It's just, just weird about. So yeah, okay, so. The Lost Boys came out July 31st, 80, 87. 87. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was 88. 
So it really was not that far. But I mean, really, it's the next year. I mean, because he looks so similar to how he does and yeah and what's weird is like you know it's like okay for like Kiefer he goes from Stand By Me to Lost Boys Mm -hmm. to Young Guns I mean that's like seriously like one I mean next year next year I mean I mean, and then of course, I mean, we had to wait till '93 to the classic of uh, the uh, the Three Musketeers. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's don't I mean. Well, that's uh, yeah. I had seen uh, Stand by Me. Uh, it's probably a year or two ago. It was on television, um, and I think I think my oldest son and I watched it and. I was interested to see like what his reaction would be to it. He really liked it. He thought it was good. I think watching it again now, I think it really does capture a lot of what it's like to be a boy, you know, growing up. And even though like we didn't live during that time period, I think there is a timeless quality. Like when you're, you know, 12 and under and the, you know, your friends hanging out. Um, oh Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that, like, yeah, we, we probably would have talked about the, the things that they were talking about. And I know, like, I was laughing at certain points in the movie, just how they would trash talk each other and constantly hitting each other and, you know, yeah. things. So, yeah. Um, yeah oh, okay. A- I, I haven't done this in a while, but it's 12 o'clock. It's midnight. So, the Midnight Movie Snap podcast. Mm-hmm. It's official. It's official, folks. All I'm right, sorry. More jerky, though. I'm, I'm done for tonight. You done? Well, um, my snacks are done as well. Yeah. So I, I didn't have that many tonight, but tonight's episode is brought to you by Hundred Grand and Jack Links. Jack Links teriyaki beef bites, which are actually really good. I have the. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the things I remember about, I mean, I remember the the leeches scene that was that definitely, um, yeah, I, I remember um reading a kind of or it was either reading it or it was a documentary, it was like behind the scenes of the filming and how those leeches were, I think they were made out of gelatin and they just put like a sticky adhesive on them. They're almost like gummy leeches. You know, they just stuck them to the kids. But yeah, that scene, I remember that was like one of the, the big scenes, you know, like, oh, they got leeches all over them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, good movie. Yeah, definitely. It is kind of wild though that this came out the same. Maximum Overdrive was no Stephen King. I mean, 
and obviously, I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, there's no comparison. I'm not trying to, I ain't knocking maximum overdrive. I'm just saying it's just the fact of going the two Stephen King stories, but are totally different. You know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, yeah, that's the, I mean, that's what's wild. It's like, it's, yeah, I mean, the body, I think we talked about this in the past, but you know, the body um, was one of four stories in a book called Different Seasons. And uh, it was the same book that had uh, the story that would become the basis for the Shawshank Redemption. And I remember, yeah. And I remember the stories in that book, they weren't your typical Stephen King. Like he was, I mean, there were some sort of, you know, like scary elements in some of them, but, um, but those two stories um, were very much like, I mean, they were like proper fiction, you know, they were, they weren't trying to scare, they weren't introducing monsters or things like that. And um, I remember reading it in high school. Like I said, I, I read the story before the movie came out. So I think it would have been like 85, late 85, early 86, somewhere around there. Um, and I just remember reading the body and thinking that like, it was, it was a good story. And it was, even though it was completely different from what he had done in the past, Sometimes when writers do that, you know, the audience might go, well, it's not not what he typically does. So I don't like it. But I was um, pleasantly surprised. I um, It was a good story. And it even oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not even, I'm not trying to, it's two different, it's like two different genres, even though it's same, that same author and stuff. It's just, yeah. It's not even, it's... Yep. So, um, I guess there won't ever be a sequel to this. It's still standing by me. No sequel. So, yeah, this thing was all shot around Oregon, Brownsville, Oregon. Um, and they, the stunt doubles for the train scene, they were um, female, adult, small adult female stunt doubles. They were dressed up as the boys. Huh. And they had close cropped hair to make them look like the main characters. That's some neat trivia. I like That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking at the beginning about how the the song "Stand by Me" kind of came back into popularity. So when it originally came out in '61, it was a number four. It was number four on the charts. Uh, in '86, when it came back out, it uh, got to number nine. So it was in the top ten. Wow. Yeah. I remember those nights when they would play the top ten. They were always, it seemed like that song was always on there. It was on there for a long time. But yeah, um, another another thing, it's like Rotten Tomatoes has a 91% approval rating. Yeah, I'm see, I've seen that on my screen. It does say, it says 91%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's got it's funny. It says age rating fourteen plus. Not, I mean, I know it's I know it's R, but that's you're right. I think it was it was the language. Yep, that's what guided it's R. I think if you took that out or took most of it out, it would have easily gotten PG fifteen. Prior to filming Stand By Me, director Rob Reiner put his four leads together for two weeks to play improvisational theater games. His goal in having his lead actors do this was to build camaraderie and collaboration. As a result, friendship developed between the actors. Will Wheaton, who played Gordy, said, When you saw the four of us being comrades, that was real life, not acting. Without a doubt, some of the best moments in this movie are the ones that show the bond between Gordy, Chris, Teddy, and Vern. Playful, teasing, caring, and heartfelt. We hope you enjoyed our audio movie commentary of Stand By Me. If you're interested in other Stephen King film adaptations, be sure to check out our movie commentary of Maximum Overdrive, a movie that was also released in 1986, unfortunately to far less critical acclaim. Support for the Midnight Movie Snack podcast is made available by listeners like you. Your monthly donations help keep the podcast running, delivering episodes about the movies we all love. To learn more about how you can support the podcast, check out the link in the show notes. And until next time, thanks for listening.